was a video of Chris Tomlin talking about um, God's will for his life and how he discovered God's will. We're going to talk about that today. Um, I'm just really glad you guys are here. I don't think I finished talking about those blue cards. We really need those blue cards, one from every family. If you're here for the first time, you're visiting with us, please give us all the information you're comfortable giving. Right after this service, we have a guest welcome center right back there in the overflow seating area. And before you go home, if you're visiting with us today, please pick up a gift and information bag before you go home today. Make sure you get that on your way out of this service. Okay? And uh, you can drop your blue card. If you didn't drop it in the offering, you can drop it off back there at the uh, Guest Welcome Center. But we're really glad you're here today. Thank you so much for coming. Chris Tomlin, um, you probably recognize that song. Um, Chris Tomlin is an incredible um, gospel music artist, contemporary gospel music artist. He writes music. Um, he is an incredible performer. The thing about him that I love so much is he is the real deal. He is the real deal. If you want to get some music that we sing here at Whitley Church and also at the Bridge, because we have two churches. We actually have a Saturday night church in Goldsboro. Meets um, two times, uh, two services every Saturday night at 5 o'clock and 7.30. We're in the Barnyard Shopping Center. Y'all know where that is? Cloth Barn. There's little chickens out in the parking lot, pigs, and Barnyard Shopping Center. Um, so, so come on out and see us on a Saturday night if you can't get here on a Sunday. It's the same sermon, same music. It's just a smaller venue. But we've outgrown that venue, and we're about to relocate into a, a bigger place in Goldsboro. We believe God's called us to multi-site here at Whitley, and this is the main campus. We believe that when we have fulfilled the vision God has for this church, there will be about four or five churches that will just be um, throughout the community. <coughs> Excuse me doing this model, um, and, and can I tell you that I don't believe this model, um, you know, is any more um, spiritual than any other model. It's just who we are, okay? Uh, it's wrong for a contemporary church, contemporary worship style church, to be critical of a traditional church uh, because it's just, that's just a style, guys. That's just what you prefer, a particular style of worship that you prefer, it's not right or wrong. Um, you know, some people want to come to church like this where it's more casual and um, where, where the music is kind of uh, contemporary, rocking and, and that kind of stuff. That's who we are. But I've been to churches that don't do our style, and guess what? God's there too. And we just mess up big time when we want to criticize because somebody doesn't look like us or act like us or do church the way we do. We just do it this way, and we believe God's called us to the multi-site strategy. And uh, so if you want to talk about that, give me a call. If you don't understand what that's all about, and I'll be glad to talk to you about it. Um, so um, um, I don't know where, how I got off on that. But anyway, Chris Tomlin is, a, is an incredible worship leader. I want to tell you some church news. Uh, do you all remember Louis Giglio? Remember that video sermon we watched here? Louis Giglio, um, I believe the title of that video is like Indescribable God or something like that. Uh, if you've not seen that, you need to see it. It's an inc I tell you, I was kind of nervous about showing a video sermon, um, you know, instead of a live person up here. We haven't done that but a couple times in the 18 years I've been pastor of this church. 
So I was a little bit nervous about that. When that video was over, <clears throat> when it was over, there wasn't a dry in here. It was just that powerful. So if you haven't seen that, we can tell you how to get it. Great, great message. Um, also, I wanted to tell you that Louis Giglio has started a church in Atlanta, Georgia. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I'm probably going to get there some Sunday when you can't find me. That might be where I am. Um, he has started a church there, and uh, his praise and worship leader is going to be Chris Tomlin. They'll never make it. <laughs> so how cool is that? God is moving in this world. And, and uh, people have got different labels, you know. Uh, Pentecostal label was mentioned. Methodist label, Baptist label. Hey, listen, you know who we are? Jesus people. We're Jesus people. And, and it's all about Jesus. It isn't about tags and labels and denominations and, and, and all that stuff. It's all about Jesus Christ. And if you're a Pentecostal, then, then the Holy Spirit has come to make you talk about Jesus. That's the reason we have the Holy Spirit in us, to make us talk about Jesus. Not to make us talk about the Holy Spirit, but to make us talk about Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's the one who died on the cross for our sins and gave his life, was buried and rose from the dead. And when you believe that that was the provision for your soul and you receive his work, you receive that work he did for you, and then you receive him, the risen Christ, into your life, See, there's a little throne inside of you. There's a little throne, and it's his. It belongs to him. Now, sometimes we put money on it, and sometimes we put self on it, and sometimes we put somebody else on that throne who we have just put above all other things in our life. Some guy puts a girlfriend on that throne, or some girl puts a guy on that throne. Can I tell you, that throne belongs to Christ Jesus, our Lord, and until he's on it in your life, you're never going to be fulfilled. You're never going to be fulfilled. You're going to keep putting stuff on that throne going, well, you be the king of my life. You be the king. You be, And none of those kings will meet your need except King Jesus. That is the only one. So I invite you today to just say to him, this is all you have to say to him. This is all you have to say. Say, Lord Jesus, I've been putting a lot of people on that throne, but not anymore today. I want you, Jesus, please, to take your rightful place on the throne of my heart. And wash away all my sins and live in me. I accept you today into my life. That's all you got to say. You say that to him from a heart of sincerity and a genuine heart. Because it is our sin that separates us from God. It is our sin. And so we, we ask him to come in because he is the only one who can do away with that sin. Your goodness, your good deeds, your good works does not make your sin go away. Only the blood of Christ. And the people said, amen, amen, okay? So we're doing a series called Dangerous Church, and, uh, you know, I've got that big banner hanging up over the information desk, so I know when our visitors walk in, they probably look at that and go, well, at least they warned us. And um, we're in part two today of a series, uh, again, called Dangerous Church, and you might be wondering why we would name a series Dangerous Church. Because I want that to be the opinion that the enemy has of us. When the enemy thinks about Whitley Church, I want him to say they're dangerous. 
You, you do know there is an enemy, don't you? I mean, I know it's not sophisticated to talk about the devil and Satan. I know that's not sophisticated. But boy, does it need to be talked about. Three things about him you need to remember. Y'all can probably quote these. I've told you so many times. Number one, he's a decided fact. He does exist. He's the real deal. And he is not dressed up in red flannel underwear with a pitchfork in his hand telling the imps of hell to shovel coal faster because that's how Hollywood wants you to see him and the cartoons want you to see him. But I'll tell you what the Bible says about him. The Bible says he was a wolf, but he dresses like a sheep. The Bible says he is a power for evil, but but he dresses like an angel of light. He never comes to you as who he is. He always comes to you trying to look as much like God as he can because he knows you will welcome God and you will not welcome evil. So he comes to you dressed like, he, he comes to you in a disguise always. Don't ever forget that. So he's a decided fact. Number two, he is a destructive force always. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Every time. You cannot negotiate with him. He will negotiate with you. He will sit down with you at the negotiation table, and he will tell you, man, we got a deal. I promise you I'm going to hold up mine to the deal. And the moment you walk away from that negotiation, he will slip a knife into you because he wants to destroy you. Please don't forget he never wants to help you. He is a decided fact and a destructive force, but I am glad to tell you this morning, he is a defeated foe because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, I want you to understand that he is already defeated. He isn't going to just be defeated. He all, he's had it. He's already been defeated. All you got to do is read the last part of your Bible to find out He's already been defeated. Man, that is spooky right there, ain't it? I mean, they haven't been doing that, and they're doing that today, and I keep seeing it out of my peripheral vision, and I'm, I'm like, ah! you know, I just. So, um, but he's defeated. Now, so as a Christian, we don't pray for victory. We pray from victory. We're already in victory, boys and girls. We're not going to get it. We got it. We accepted Christ as our Savior, the victorious one. The one who has risen from the dead lives in us. So greater is he that is than he who is in the world trying to destroy me. Okay? So he's a defeated foe. Now he hopes you don't understand that and know that. And he hopes you function out of a belief that he's yet to be defeated. He doesn't want you to understand he's already. But I just told you. So now operate in that. I mean, you can, you can walk through your home and you can pray him out of your home. Because he's after your kids and he's after your finances and he's after your joy and he wants, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy all of that. And you can just walk through your house and you don't have to be a freak when you do it and act freaky, but you can just walk through your house and say, in Jesus' name, the one who rose from the dead, you have no place here. You have no place here, sir. Be gone from this place. It's a battle. We're in a war. We're in a battle. We need to remember that. So, Dangerous Church. Why would we name the series Dangerous Church? Because when the enemy thinks about Whitley Church, I want him to say they're dangerous. 
Now, I don't know a lot about any other church. I know, I know more about this church, of course, and the bridge than any other church, and I don't know very much about other churches. But I would imagine there are probably some churches on this earth that the enemy would look at them and go, don't worry about them, they're already on our side. I think there would be some churches that he would look at and go, don't worry about them. They're not on our side, but they're wimps. So don't worry about them either. But I want to be a church that when he talks about us or thinks about us, a cold chill goes down his back because we're a dangerous church. Here's some other things I could have talked about. Now, we're going to talk about leadership. That's what dangerous church is. We're going to talk about spiritual leadership. I believe one of the qualities of a dangerous church is that we, are, that we have powerful spiritual leaders in this church. But here's some other things that make a church dangerous. Faith-filled prayer. We'll do that tomorrow night. Hope you show up. Bold witness. Not, not obnoxious witness. Y'all met that, Christian? The obnoxious witness. God doesn't want you to be obnoxious. Obnoxious doesn't help anybody. It turns people off. But be bold. And when the opportunity arrives and the door opens, speak for him. Uh, consistent joy. We talked about this last week. The greatest advertisement for Whitley Church is you smiling during a crisis. Because when you're, when you're going through the fire, they're watching you. When you're going through the dark, rough, tough places of life, they know you're a Christian, they know who you are, and they're watching you. And when they see your joy during the hard times of life, here's what the world says about that. They go, that's real. That's, that's what I'm looking for. A peace that abides. Not a peace that is there in the good times and gone in the bad times, but a peace that abides. That's what the world's looking for. Okay? So, a faith-filled prayer, bold witness, consistent joy, willing service. When you volunteer and serve in the church, and whether it's this church or you're in another church, and you're volunteering and you're serving and you're helping other people and you're being a blessing, and you don't demand accolades and you don't demand awards and you don't demand um, all that stuff, you, you just serve because you know your reward is in heaven and and, and you sacrifice and you give your time. The enemy hates that because, see, that's how the church is set up to work. The church is not set up to work with paid staff. Now, we have paid staff here. But, but paid staff, if we were the only ones doing ministry, we'd have about 40 people here this morning. But, but, but paid staff, we're the equippers. We are to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That's our ministry. Our ministry as paid staff is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. So when you volunteer and serve, the enemy hates that. And then godly leadership. Let's look at what the Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen. I believe a church that has powerful godly leadership will, will, make, um, will cause um, a fear to grip the kingdom of darkness. Look what it says in Proverbs eleven fourteen. Without wise leadership, a nation is in trouble. Now, what that really means there is that without wise leadership, a nation is in trouble. <laughs> That's what that really means. <laughs> Can I just say something else right there that I, isn't in the Bible directly like that, but I, it doesn't violate Scripture? Without wise leadership, a home is in trouble. Without wise leadership, a business is in trouble. 
Without wise leadership, a church is in trouble, an organization is in trouble, a community is in trouble, a nation is in trouble, a world is in trouble when there is not wise leadership. You know why? Because everything rises and falls on leadership. Think about it. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Two big leadership problems in our culture today. Number one, it is hard for us in this culture, it appears to me, to discern the difference between a celebrity and a real leader. I mean, and I used this last week, if you can shoot a three-pointer and it goes in 65% of the time, you will be a celebrity, but it will not necessarily make you a leader. You will be famous, but you'll only be famous for being famous. You'll be famous for being able to shoot a leather bag of air through a cotton net. That doesn't make you a leader. Now, I hope NC State can sign that guy. <laughs> but that doesn't make that guy a leader. But we live in a culture, don't we, that if a guy can do that, we want to know his opinion on world peace. Well, dude, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man, I love it when they ask Hollywood a question. Somebody from Hollywood. Just like last week I told you guys, when that person starts talking from Hollywood, I hear, nee, 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 nee. <laughs> so, so one of the big leadership problems we got in our culture is that we don't know the difference in a celebrity and a leader. The other problem is that there's a major shortage of real good godly leadership in the world today. And a lot of you don't think of yourself as a leader, but I'm going to tell you that you are. Every single one of you are a leader. Because the word, the leadership simply means one word, influence. So if you are influencing a two-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 22-year-old or an 82-year-old and they're listening to you and they're looking to you for guidance and they're looking to you for advice and you're influencing them, you are a leader. So everybody in this room is a leader because everybody in this room is an influencer. And in this series, we're going to discuss seven leadership principles from the life of Jesus Christ. Now, I could have chosen a lot of Bible characters to talk about leadership. How many of you know Nehemiah was a great leader? And I may do a series on leadership one day and use Nehemiah. David was a great leader. Uh, Joseph was a great leader. Um, Moses, Abraham, I could go on and on and on, but I've just got a tendency when a guy is dead for three days and rises from the dead, I'm interested in what he's got to say. Okay? So we're going to look at Jesus. Last week we talked about leadership principle number one, and it was this one, identification. If you are going to be a great leader, you're going to have to know who you are. You're going to have to be, I don't mean arrogant or prideful or cocky, but I mean you're going to really need to know who you are and be confident about who you are. And where you find out who you really are is from God. I have no problem with Christian therapists. I have no problem with Christian psychologists. I don't have any problem with that. I know a lot of people do, but I just really don't have a problem with that. Um, but if you want to really know who you are and get to the bottom of who you are, get with God. Get with God and ask him. Duh. Just look at God and go, uh, mm, you made me. So evidently you probably know who I'm supposed to be. So tell me why you made me. Why did you make me and why did you put me on this earth? And what is your purpose for my life? And God will tell you. He'll talk to you. 
He'll reveal to you why you're on this earth. He'll tell you who you are. God, who am I in you? Who am I? Who did you make me to be? He will tell you that. Now, I've already been working on what I'm going to preach next year. How many of you know that you don't have to wait till Saturday morning to find out what God wants you to preach on Sunday? You ever heard some sermons on Sunday? You thought maybe he did start getting it up that Saturday morning before? <laughs> let, me, let me tell you what we're going to do next summer. I already know what I'm going to preach next summer. I'm going to preach a series from June through August on the 23rd Psalm. Do you all remember a long time ago I did the 23rd Psalm? you remember that, some of you all? God bless you. <laughs> Thank both of us. Some of us like, well, yes, and okay, whatever. Um, anyway, I've learned some more stuff about that, so I'm going to be sharing that with you this summer. And uh, one of the things I've been looking at is that word meditation, because that's what God wants us to do, because that's where we find out who we are. See, we think our quiet time and our prime time with God, we think that's prayer and Bible study, prayer and Bible study, prayer and Bible study, but there's a third element. And look, prayer and Bible study are essential, but there's a third element to your quiet time, and that's being quiet. What did he say? What and know that I am God. He said, be still and you will what? No. There's stuff we don't know because we can't hush. We can't. We got to talk. Tell you God. Point number three, God, you know. And it's good to have a prayer list and keep a prayer journal. And I do that. And I know some of y'all do that and all that. But there is just a time when we're with God to just stop and just turn on that worship music, whatever music you like, whatever kind of praise music you enjoy, and, um, and just sit there and listen to God. Yeah. Hey, can I just tell y'all something right here? God wants to say some stuff to you. God wants to talk to you. And I'm not getting weird on you. I don't mean God's going to go, hello, it's me, you know. But he, you're gonna, he's going to impress your heart. God wants to say some things to you. You're his kid. He wants to talk to you. You say, don't he speak to me through the word? That's one way. But then he wants to give you that, what they call the rhema. There's not just, there's... Not only the Logos word, which is the written word, but there's that rhema word that is God's word just for you. Now, it won't contradict the written word. It won't go counter to the written Am I making sense this morning? It won't contradict the written word, but it's a word for you about your life. But we can't get quiet enough sometimes to do it. That's why we all love to go to amusement parks. You know what amuse, amuse means? The word ah means not, or the prefix ah means not. The, the, the next part of that word, syllable, muse means think, not think park. <laughs> Honestly. We love to go, we love to not think. Think about what you do when you get home. When you get home, Almost before you turn the light on, you're trying to find the remote. I know you people. <laughs> because we want noise. We want stuff. There just is a time, guys, to get quiet. I, I don't know why I'm spending so much time here. And some of you may be a little, feel like I'm laboring here a little too long. But God's saying something to somebody here today. 
The reason you may not know some things that you need to know and that you're frustrated about not knowing is because when you read your Bible and have your Bible study and when you have your prayer time, then just get up early enough or whatever that you have time to just be quiet. I mean, time in the car. You spend a lot of time in your car? Just pull the music down. Pull it, make Praise music, you know. Not... The kids are having fun, aren't they? Did you just hear that? God bless them. God. Yeah. Tie them up, whatever. And, um, but you, 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 know, you don't want to listen to you know, music that says, you know, if you're going to leave me, please walk out backwards so I'll think you're coming in. You know, but that's country music. That's country. I wrote that. I'm working on a country song. Um, but get some praise music in there that you like. It doesn't have to be my style. But get some praise music in there. Pull the volume down a little bit. And when you're going to work, think about the words of those songs. Think about God. And I'm telling you something, man. He'll give you some guidance in your life about particular issues. He's just waiting for a chance to talk to you. He just wants to talk to you. God has some things he wants to say to you. Quit being so frustrated that you don't know God's will when you never give God a chance to say it. Make me a CD of this. This is good. Make me. I'll listen to this later. Jesus had no doubt about who he was. Did you know that 18 times in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... Jesus defined himself by saying, I am, I am, I am. You want to be able to say, I am this, and I am this, and I am this, then you got to spend time with God. Jesus knew who he was. Let me give you some examples. John 8 and 12, I am the light of the world. We sang about that today. Matthew 27, 43, I am the son of God. John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. This is Jesus talking. He knew who he was. John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. And then in John 8, 14, Jesus said, I don't need anybody to validate me or tell you who I am. I testify of myself. I know who I am. Now, that's not arrogance. That's just intimacy with God. When you're intimate with God, you know who you are in him. Man, that's a great feeling, guys, because the enemy's going to come and test your, test your self-identity. So you've got to know who you are. If you don't have a clear self-awareness, you can fall into three traps. Number one, you begin to allow other people to manipulate you with their expectations. See, if you're not confident in who you are, you're going to open the door for other people to manipulate you. Can I just tell you this? News flash right here. God has a plan for your life, but so do other people. Other people have a plan for your life too. And if you look like you're floundering, they will pull you in. And you'll be serving them. Second thing trap you fall into is you start living a phony life. You got all these masks you're wearing and you're trying to make everybody happy. You're trying to please everybody. You never get to be the real you. You never get to be the authentic you. You're always trying to be somebody else to make other people happy. And so that leads to the third tra trap that you fall into and that's stress. When you never get to be who God made you to be, you're going to be stressed. Stressed out. Two things that limit your leadership and weaken your self-identity. Now, I know I'm reviewing what I went over last week, but we need to get this again. Comparing. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop it. Stop it. 
Because when you compare yourself to other people, let me show you how subtle the enemy is, that devil, that Satan I was talking about earlier. Let me show you how subtle he is. The reason he tries to get you to compare yourself to other people because he knows you're going to find somebody who's doing it better than you're doing it. You're going to compare yourself to somebody who's more talented than you and has had more success than you, and that's going to discourage you. So then he tries to get you to compare, and you find somebody who isn't as good as you and is not as talented as you. Guess what that does? Makes you prideful. So that's why he always wants you to compare and go, we're better than them, we're better than them, we're better than them. I'm better than him, I'm better than him. And then you're going to find somebody you're not better than, and then you're going to be, why am I not as good as And then, see, whether listen, listen, listen to this. Whether you're discouraged or full of pride, you're on the bench. You're out of the game. Satan doesn't care whether he discourages you or makes you prideful. He just wants you out of the game. All righty? And then copying. God doesn't want clones. God's not in the cookie-cutter business. Christians look different, act different, worship different. So he's not in the cloning business. If you try to be someone else, the world is going to suffer because then who's going to be you? God made you to be you and to serve a particular purpose in this world. So if you're always trying to copy somebody else, who's going to be you? The world suffers. All right, now let's come to the point for today. And it's uh, 10 to 12. Okay, it's about 13 minutes to 12. And um, that means absolutely nothing. I could care less, but I just thought I'd tell you what time it is. Leadership principle number two, clarification, clarification. Last week, identification. This week, clarification. Here's what I'm talking about. God wants you to be clear on what he wants you to do with your life on this earth. God wants you to know his will for your life on this earth. He wants you to know it. Hey, he's not going to withhold it. And I'll tell you what else. You say, well, I, I just really have been seeking God about that. Pastor, I've been meditating and I've been praying and I've been reading my Bible and I've been doing everything that you've said we need to do to know God's will, but I still don't know it. Then here's why. Here's why. I mean, if everything's clean between you and God and you're not hiding any sin and, and you're just clear with God, then here's why. Here's what God's saying to you. He's saying, I'm going to show you, but I want you to wait. Now, anytime God tells you to wait, he's testing you. You're just getting tested. Sometimes we have to wait. You remember when Mary and Martha sent for Jesus? And they said, our brother is sick, and if you don't hurry and get here right now, he's going to die. And Jesus stayed two days where he was. And when he got there, Lazarus wasn't sick anymore. He was dead. So they were hopeless. And they said, if you had done this, if you had done our plan, if you had done it on our time clock, if you had done what we said, my brother would not be dead. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Roll the stone away. Lazarus, come forth. One writer said if he had not said Lazarus, every grave would have. So when God says wait, he's testing you. And sometimes you have to wait. So if you've done all you know to do to know God's will and you still don't know it, don't get frustrated. Just walk in him. Listen, listen. Obey the part of the word you do know. Obey that. You know what? Some of us aren't ever going to know God's will for our life until we're willing to serve in that which is least. Jesus said, if you are faithful in that which is least, then I'll show you the big deal I got for you. 
But if you're not going to be faithful in small, insignificant things that where nobody notices you or pats you on the back or gives you a lot of glory, Jesus goes, you're not going to be faithful in the big thing if, I, if you're not going to be faithful in the small thing. Anybody out there listening this morning? So we got to be faithful in the little things. So if you're, if you're at a place where you're really seeking the will of God, then, then just begin to serve him somewhere. Go, put on an orange vest and get out there in the parking lot and just say, Jesus, I'm not real sure if this is what you want me to do, but I tell you what, until I know exactly what you want me to do, I'm going to park cars. <laughs> Amen. Just serve. Because see, when God looks down and sees that willing heart to serve, he goes, hey, there's somebody I can use right there. And when he sees you being faithful in that little thing, he'll make you an influencer over much. That's what he said. Okay? So the direction of your life, the, the direction of your life, I want you to listen very carefully. It's your choice. God has given you the power to, make, to decide the direction for your life. You are, a, you are a free moral agent of choice. You're, you're a free will. You have a free will. You can choose the direction of your life. i got good news for you. If you don't like the direction of your life this morning... Right now, this morning, in this service, you can change the direction of your life. God's given you that ability. Why does God let us choose? I mean, why didn't God just make us love him? Why didn't he just make us follow him? I'll tell you why. Because he's a daddy. And daddies want their kids to choose to love them. You know, if I were gone for a week like I used to be, I used to, be, I used to travel all over the country and preach, and then I'd be gone two or three weeks, I'd come back and... And uh, my little boys would run up to me, you know, and they hadn't seen me in two or three weeks. They just run up to me, and it's just so tender-hearted, and they had little tears in their eyes, and they'd look up at me and and say, "What'd you bring me?" <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, so so you know, um, I, I would hate it if if later I found out that my wife had said to my boys, "Now listen, Daddy's coming home. You guys hadn't seen him in three weeks, so go out there and hug on him." And go out there and kiss him and go out there and just really act like you're glad to see him. And then tonight when he comes in and sits down in his big chair, get up on his lap and hug on him and kiss him now. I would hate to know she had to tell them that. What do I want them to do? Choose it. See, see, I have people ask me. I'll say, you can ask me any question you want to. And people go, why doesn't God kill the devil and make me love Jesus? That's when you get right to the point. Here's why. Because he wants you to choose. Because love that is chosen is far deeper than love that is forced. Amen, amen? So that's why God gives us this choice. Nobody's holding a gun to your head or making you a victim or forcing you in a certain direction. But I will tell you this, that great leaders not only know who they are, they know where they're headed and what they're supposed to be accomplishing. Great spiritual leaders know what God has called them to do and, and what they're to, to accomplish in this life. Now, when you clarify your purposes, it eliminates this problem and <laughs> sets you free from what is called the tyranny of the urgent. Now, let me recommend a book to you this morning. If you don't have it, it is a little booklet called that. That's the title, Tyranny of the Urgent. It is a little booklet. And I don't know where you buy it. It's really been out a long time, but it is excellent, excellent. I used to have a bunch of copies, and people borrowed them permanently. 
and so I don't have any more, but I've read it many times, and The Tyranny of the Urgent is a little book. You can probably get it for a dollar on Amazon. It costs you $5 to have them ship it to you. But anyway, it's worth it. If you can find that little booklet somewhere, get that, The Tyranny of the Urgent. Because you know as well as I do that what is urgent is not necessarily important. And I don't know what creates urgency in you. I mean, that feeling, if i got to do that right now, it's going to be done right now. If I don't do that right now, the world's going to come to an end. I've got to do it right now. See, and we get on our kids about that because our kids do that, and we do it. Let me tell you what creates urgency in me, expectations of others. I don't know what creates urgency for you, but if you'll really think about it, I think it'll boil down to the fact that most of the time when you feel really urgent about something, it's either your flesh wanting you to have something that it isn't time for you to have yet, and so you feel real urgent. If I don't buy this right now, I'm never going to get a deal like this again. This is a once-in-a-lifetime deal. I'll get to buy it right now. And what does that usually lead to? A bad decision. The tyranny of the urgent. Not the joy of the urgent. The tyranny of the urgent. And you need God's help on this. Listen, listen. This is where discernment comes in. Here's what I'm preaching to you and teaching you this morning. When you know who you are in Jesus... And you know what he's called you to do. Then when the enemy comes and makes something very urgent and creates anxiousness in you about it, a warning alarm will go off in you because you have the knowledge of who you are and what God has called you to do. And you'll be able to back away from that urgent thing and go, you know what? I don't really have to do that right now. And later you'll go, thank you, Jesus, that I didn't do that. You know, buy a new car, you know, drive it off the lot. It doesn't even smell as good one mile down the road as it did when you first got in it. Amen, amen. I'm not picking on my car guys here. Um, Jesus knew exactly what he was called to do. Look in John 8, 14. Here's another version of that verse, another paraphrase. John 8, 14, Jesus said, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. So Jesus is our example. Remember I told you at the beginning? Jesus is our example here. And there's a big difference. Have you ever got to the end of the day and gone, I didn't do anything today. I worked like a dog. Remember I told you guys we'd work you like a rented mule? (laughs) Have you ever worked (laughs) like a rented mule all day long and look back and go, nothing got done. I don't even see what I did. That's why I like raking leaves in the fall because you can see what you did. I love work like that, don't you? I love work that you can look behind you and see what you did. Now, a lot of us don't have jobs that we can look back always. I mean, some of us have jobs that you can work and work and work and work, and it's hard to see what you did. You know, over time you begin to see. But I love jobs like that. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about the difference in activity and productivity. Activity and productivity. You can be busy, you can be active, but you can be spinning your wheels in the mud accomplishing nothing. So listen to this. Beware of busyness that puts you in a bind, that makes you feel like you're in a bind. I got to tell you, man, anytime I feel pinched or I feel like I'm in a bind, the first thing I question is, am I doing what the Lord wants me to do? Because I... I'm not saying serving God's a piece of cake, but I tell you, even in the rough times of serving God, there's a peace about it. Because you know you're in his will. 
Um, I, 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 if I can remember this quote, I remember what a pastor that I have a lot of respect for said. He said, being in God's will is not always the most pleasant place in the world, but it is always the most peaceful place. It's always peaceful because you know you're in his will. So if you're ever in an activity that you feel in bondage, and it's really not anything of eternal significance, you need to really question whether you should be involved in that activity because it's not really productivity. Now, what's the difference? What differentiates between just activity and, and producing something? Purpose. Purpose is the difference. When you have a clear understanding of the purpose of what you're doing, then you become productive rather than simply active. Here's what you actually become. You become strategic. Now, I want you to listen to me, and I'm landing this airplane. We're coming in for a landing. God wants you to wake up in the morning, and he wants you to give him your day. He wants you to look at him in the morning and say, God, order my day. Order my steps today. And God, what I think is essential and what I think is urgent, if it's not essential and urgent with you, give me the wisdom to look at that thing and say, I'm not going to do that. Give me the wisdom to look at that thing and say, I'm not going to do that. I know I'm getting pressure from people or I know I'm getting pressure, but that's not what I need to be doing. Now, I'm going to tell you what God will do. He will vindicate you. He'll vindicate you. Here, here's what I'm saying. If you look at a task that has just got you in a bind and, 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 and you look at that and go, <coughs> I'm not going to go about it like that, you may displease some people. But God will vindicate you in the end that that was the right thing to do. Okay? He's not going to leave you hanging. He's not going to leave you out there. Uh, Jesus um, was very strategic. Look what he said in Matthew 10, 16. In Matthew 10, 16, Jesus said, and this doesn't even sound like Jesus, it says, be shrewd as serpents. Wow, that sounds like something the enemy would say. But Jesus said it. Jesus said, be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. Notice, if you, if you understand the context of that verse, he was talking to believers. He wasn't talking to non-believers. He was talking to believers. He was talking to us. He said, I want you as a believer to be as shrewd as a serpent. And when you do, it will not be unchristlike. Because when he said shrewd, if you study that original language there, it means be strategic. The stuff that you're involved in, where is it leading to? Here's what you have to ask yourself when you become involved in an activity. When you become involved in an activity, you've got to ask yourself... Uh, not only, you know, or, or one of the main questions you know, is where is it leading me to? It may not be a wrong thing or a bad thing, but where is it taking me? Where will it eventually take me? See, during this bad economic time, the enemy is going to tempt some of you to think that if you leave and take another job, it's going to be best for you. And it may be. But you need to understand that not only does God give opportunities, the enemy gives opportunities too. And you have to ask how a move or a career change will affect your children, affect your family. See, it isn't just about you. 
It's about a whole family. And so you have to ask God, God, is this the right strategic move for me? You should always have a strategy. I want you to be as, as innocent as doves, Jesus said. I want you to, your motives to be clear. I don't want you manipulating anybody or allowing anybody to manipulate you. I want you to be strategic in how your time is used. And the way we find out how to use our time is by asking him and giving him our time. Because the reason Jesus said this is that you only have one life to live on this earth. And this one life he has put us here to live is simply preparation for eternity. So how we live here is very, very important. Now, do y'all remember the timeline I did not long ago where, where eternity is a line that goes all the way through Virginia, through around the earth? I mean, eternity just goes through the universe. And, and on that timeline of eternity, our life on this earth is about that much. It's about that much. So that little bit of time on that long line of eternity, that little bit of time is nothing in the world for prep, but preparation for where you're going to spend that long line of time. So we've got to be careful how we use it. Luke 4.43, uh, Jesus was very positive about his calling. Look what he said. He said to them, <coughs> I must preach. I must preach. Not I, I should or I might or I'd like to. I must preach the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God to the other cities and towns also. Look, look what Jesus says about, about his life. He says, for I was sent here for this purpose. I want you to hear me this morning at the close of this message. You have been sent to the planet earth for a particular purpose. And my news to you is that the God who made you and put you on this earth will reveal that purpose to you if you sincerely want to know what it is. He will show you. Let me just close with this right here. When Jesus was 12 years old, I think I mentioned this last week. When Jesus was 12 years old, Mary and Joseph lost him. You remember that? They couldn't find them. Uh, they tra matter of fact, the Bible says they traveled a day's journey and went, where's Jesus? If that ever happens to you in your spiritual life, you best find him quick. But they said, where's Jesus? And so they just started looking and they tracked back and, and they found him. And Jesus coming out of the synagogue and he's 12 years old, so he's about this high. And he walks out and they go, no, 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 no. Where, what in the world, boy? <laughs> what we'd say to our kids. Yeah, I mean, knowing he was Jesus, I'd been real careful. But, I mean, what happened? And Jesus, you remember what Jesus said? He said, don't you know that I must, what? Be about my father's business. Jesus knew at 12. He knew at 12. There, there's a scripture in, in Psalms. I believe that's where it is. Where it says, from his youth up, he knew some things. So that tells me that possibly every time he saw a nail, he thought about one day, I, these will go through my hands. Or maybe when he, when he was out playing, he would prick his finger on a thorn, it would remind him of the crown of thorns he would wear one day. But the Bible says Jesus knew. He knew. I mean, he did know. At 12, he said, 
I'm, I'm doing my father's business. I'm doing what I was sent here for, to do. And listen to this now, listen to this. And then I thought about, I thought about um, on the cross, he said, it is finished. In the beginning, he said, I got to start my father. I'm here to do my father's business. And at 33 and a half, he said, okay, what he sent me here to do is finished. I pray that when I'm laying on my deathbed, because I came to know Jesus when I was seven years old, and some of you may say, I've got a hard time believing that. That's your problem. <laughs> I accepted Jesus at seven. I was called to preach at 17. Called to be a preacher at 17. At the end of my life, when I'm laying on my deathbed, my boys are around me. I want to be able to say, I did my father's business. And it's finished. See you in heaven. Whew. Identification, knowing who you are, makes you a great leader. Clarification, that only can come from God on God's will for your life. What you're supposed to do in this world makes you a great leader. Identification, clarification makes you a great leader. Next week, Pastor Jared is going to be speaking because I'm going to be on vacation. As a matter of fact, I am already there in my mind. <laughs> I'm leaving today right after church. So if you want to talk to me, you better have your walking shoes on because I'm headed to the car. But I'm going to be going on vacation next Sunday. Now, you be here next Sunday. Don't say because pastor's not there, I'm, I'm going to just hang out. This Don't do that. That's childish. You're not here because of me. You're here because of Jesus. Now, you get back in church next week. And, and I want to hear them say, man, pastor, the church was full just like it is when you're here. I don't want to hear them say it was fuller than when you're here. No. <laughs> no, that's fine, too. That's fine, too. It's all about Jesus, then. What Jared's going to tell you next week, listen, here's what Pastor Jared's going to say to you next week. He's going to talk to you about motivation as a leader. And what that's going to boil down to is who am I here to please? You've got to know who you're here to please. Because if you don't know who you're here to please, you're going to be trying to please everybody. So he's going to talk, to that about, uh, talk about that to us next Sunday. Now listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to close the service right now. If you are struggling with the will of God in your life and you would like special prayer, I'm going to ask my prayer team to come and just turn around and face the congregation. And if you would like special prayer about the will of God for your life, I don't mean we're going to hold you up here 30 minutes. We're just going to pray a prayer with you. Pray God's will be revealed to you in God's timing. Uh, we're, we're going to be up here to do that for you today. Okay? I love you guys. We're so glad to have you visitors. So happy you're here today. And, and let me just say something to our visitors today. You go to the church God wants you to go to. If you're here today and you're looking for a church, um, you listen to God and you go where he wants you to go. We'd love to have you here. We'd be thrilled to have you here. But God may have another place where you are needed more or where you fit into what their needs are more than here. Now don't misunderstand me. We, we would be very happy to have you here. But I want you to do God's will. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. You guys can stand. Let's all stand. 
Thank you so much, God, for, for good godly leadership. That's one of the things I love about Whitley is people who have risen up through the ranks of leadership. And uh, one of the things that thrills me are the people who never thought they'd be a leader who are some of our greatest leaders here at the church. And um, I know there are some people struggling. They want more confidence about God's will and purpose for their life. And, and we're going to pray with them uh, this morning. But God bless everyone who has come today. And if there's someone here today who has not put you on that little throne of their heart, I pray that they will say, Jesus, I, I need you. I, I've been running from you and I've been making excuses why I won't serve you, but not today. Today, right now in this prayer, before I leave, I, I just want to ask you, would you come into my life and, and would you just wash away my sins today? And Jesus, I know that throne really belongs to you. I've had other things and other people on it. But today, I want you to get on that throne. Because my life isn't going right. And I got a lot of confusion in my life. And I have a lot of fear going on. And I'm not sure about things. And I know it's because I've been running from you. So Jesus, today, today, right now, I'm asking you to come in my heart and sit down on that throne. It's your throne and I give you my life today. If you'll say that from a heart of sincerity, understanding that sin is our problem, ladies and gentlemen. Sin is what separates us from God. But when Jesus comes in, he washes it away. And he takes your hand and the hand of his Father, and he reconnects you with the Father. And it's always through the Son. Father, bless us now as we depart in Christ's name. Amen. If you'd like special prayer, just come. Prayer team, would you come? And anyone who's gifted in the area of prayer, praying with other people, you're welcome to come and help us pray. When the cares of this world darken my day.